Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. No idea what's going on here. Lots and lots and lots of activity behind the scenes on the Jesus and Paula show. First of all, I'm trying to swallow my last bite of breakfast. I need that extra 30 seconds. But so many exciting things happening right here in our building, the embassy. Yay! It's also Oklahoma, our new home, our new location. The sign was put out front today. You know, it's really official when the signage just happens. Sometimes even before the papers are signed. The signage happens, and it's really real. And so we are having this celebratory moment, as well as just some other aesthetic things happening at the embassy. And so God is faithful. This has been a long time coming for our chief apostle. I hope she can do the show today. She's a little tore up. She has a lot to praise God for. And so we're going to help her praise the Lord. You don't understand. Whenever you have, and maybe you do understand, when you have been fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting for something for decades, see, a lot of people are ready to quit after months. I've lost too much money. Once you've lost your money one time, you're out. Uh, Family stops talking to you, you're out. You lose your job, you're out. You lose your car, this isn't God. You lose your house, this definitely isn't God. And on and on and on we go with our um, grandiose list of escape clauses when we don't want to press through the hard things. And we rely on cotton candy doctrine to validate quitting on God. And I tell you what, in this season, I have seen, and I texted a picture to Apostle Holt this morning. I was like, guess what? And he has been blazing the trail with us and making this deal happen, boots on the ground, getting all greasy in it. And he was like, my God. And he made a statement about the things that come to those who finish those who really do endure to the end. I was having a conversation with someone yesterday, and uh, we were just talking about the frustration that they were experiencing with people quitting, quitting training programs, quitting on God, leaving the church, Uh, not even just our church, but just in general in the body of Christ. And I said, you know what? The Word of God speaks from the beginning. Oh, she has a picture of excellence. The Word of God speaks from the beginning all the way through about enduring to the end. I said, study king, first and second kings. You'll see how many kings started with God. They took down the high places and they, blah, 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 blah. and then by the end of their life, they lost it all. They had returned. The children, the offspring didn't follow suit. And on and on it goes. And so, and then uh, you come all the way down the line, and then by the time we get to Jesus, I mean, we're all the way at the remnant. Many called, few chosen. The, okay, so we have the plentiful field, the harvest, but the laborers are few. Over and over and over again, the Word of God tells us that there's plenty of opportunity, but very few people who actually finish. 
Very few people, compared to how many get the invitation, actually finish and come across the finish line. You think about teams that train for the Olympics. How many people start in the beginning? And then how many people make the cut? And then how many people finish all the way to the end? So this is not an issue that is somehow exclusive to the body of Christ. I can think about it being in college. How many people started with me in my freshman class and how many people graduated? Some transferred to other places and finished somewhere else, but then others never finished at all. And so this is not uncommon with life under the sun. And throughout the Word of God, the Lord tells us, hey, not everybody's going to finish. Not everybody's going to receive their reward. You have those who will receive, well done, my good and faithful servant, and then you have those who will receive, I never knew you. Yet everybody does everything in the name of Jesus. So we all sit here, even on this side of, of eternity, with colleagues and comrades and friends and everybody who, well, Lord, we did this in your name, and we did that in your name, and, and on and on. And he's like, but I never knew you. And so the word of God, now that's Jesus. That's the red letters. That's the real Bible. That's the one we're standing on today. Not that antiquated Old Testament, that old ancient Father God. This is the South. This is the Savior. This is the Lord. This is the one who just poured out his love. I mean, he just died just because he loves us so much. And that's all. And it's that one who said it. Yeah. And when you read the parables and when you study how many times the analogy was, <coughs> the kingdom of heaven is like it. He goes and then he, this one buries it that and burn him in the fire and kill him. <laughs> I think there's a lot of parables that end with fire. Heat, death, unpleasant end, cut it down, throw it back in the ocean. I mean, he's like, there's a lot more rejection from the Lord than we ever will want to preach. But if we ever preached it the right way, people would come to him the right way. And they would either get it right or just say, that's not for me. I'm not doing that. I need to serve somebody who's, I don't know what. In the end, all these deities kind of do the same. In the end, if you don't do it their way, you're done. And so we need to shift our mentality out of thinking that it is abnormal for people to quit. That's the norm. You work on a job more than anymore, more than five years, you're considered a rock star employee. Wow. You've been with the company 10 years. Wow. You've been with the company. People start jobs and quit. We know some people who have had as many jobs as the years we've known them or more. Can't be anywhere more than a year, year and a half. Something kicks up. Something rolls back. There's a cutback. There's a whatnot. Pink slip, and, and they're always on the go. It is not uncommon for people to not finish. The exception is those who do. Those who, you, and whenever you go back somewhere, you think, so-and-so is still here. My uh, speech teacher that I had in middle school is just retiring. And I was like, Mrs. Carter, oh, I'm in the legacy. And so all of those that is rare that you have somebody, but from that generation, it's more common. This younger generation, you're like, it, it's like the dating world. Just use it, dump it, find something else, use it, dump it, find something else, and you just keep it moving. Well, this, that got old. Well, I got bored. 
I mean, the reason people say that they don't finish what they start is astounding. Because none of it really matters. Somebody got on my nerves. I really don't like my boss. Uh, I felt hurt. Uh, you know, this was a, a whatever, whatever, and on and on it goes. But at the end of the day, especially if it's God, it doesn't take much to ruffle people's feathers and out they go. Well, I'll just find something else. I'll just do something else. This is epidemic. This is worldwide. This is global. This is certainly in the U.S. And you just bounce and bounce and bounce. And they're the driftwood people who just drift from this church to that church to this church to that church. When I moved to Tulsa 22 years ago, I thought I did not know what church hopping was <clears throat> because people that I knew, you, you grew up in the church. You're the same church. And you didn't really move around. And then I came out here, and it was like church capital, and mega churches, big churches, large churches, small churches, churches. We had church in a hotel, church in the people had church in the school. You can have church anywhere you want to, which became very convenient when you couldn't find a church building. <laughs> and so you would see that people would just bounce, 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 and it was quite common. And I would go visit one church. This was before him at Dr. Price. I didn't visit anybody's church after that, but before him. Or go to these prophetic apostolic conferences. And I'm like, didn't I just see that worship team in somebody else's church, though? Mm-hmm. Well, whose church do you belong to? Well, we just help everybody out. Mm-hmm. So you don't belong anywhere at all. Rootless, anchorless, and really no accountability. And so... Thinking about, excuse me, thinking about finishing what you start, that is the anomaly, especially when it takes years or decades. The longer something takes, the more it's going to cost you, period. Just basic math. The longer you stay somewhere, the more you pay to stay there. The longer you drive something, the more you invest to keep it on the road. And so in this journey, when I saw the sign today on the building, I said, Lord, have mercy. And it's the things that you can easily take for granted. You don't realize the cost. The song, Alabaster Box, you don't know the cost of the oil. My, my. And for some, it can look like the, just a little thing, a little cruise of oil. If you know anything about perfumes, colognes, you will understand that sometimes the smaller the bottom, the more expensive it is. It's concentrated. It's rich. It has experience expensive contents and ingredients in it, mixed in a place that costs, we don't even know how much money to do, made by scientists in a special formula. I was in a perfume store once, and I saw this perfume, and I smelled it. It smelled so good, I should have known. I said, how much is this? It's something I never heard of. Oh, that. Well, that's only, you know, $325, like an ounce. I said, oh, Put that right back on the shelf today. I'll be back another day. Because I'll be back another day for that. Because I want that. And I will be in that level of life to where I can drop it on some perfume and not feel like I should have been more responsible with my money somewhere else. But that day I left it and I marked it as even just a mile marker financially to say one day I'll be back. And you know what? I might not buy it. I might decide, oh. It's not worth the investment. It's not worth it. But one day, I'm going to be able to stand there and say, if I don't buy it, it's just because I don't want to. Mm-hmm. Not because I was convicted by the Lord. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> okay? It's, 
car payment, that's something uh, really that you need and not just that you want. But you pay a price, and so the higher up you go, the more it costs you to get there and stay there. And so we taught people you can just jump straight to the throne of God. You can jump straight to the high places in the kingdom. You just need to be discovered, not prepared, not tested, not tried, just discovered. We want people who have been discovered in the kingdom. Oh, man, we saw this guy's worship video on YouTube, and bam, it went viral, and they were huge. And the next thing you know, they're all over the world. That's exciting. That's great. There are some people in the kingdom now, I said to to, uh, PIC Rachel today, I said, Lord, I hope they make it. I hope they make it. See, I'm not young in this anymore. Right. Now, I'm excited about what they're doing right now. Bless God, I've downloaded everything they've done. But let me tell you what. I pray that in five years from right. now, that can still be the story. Right. That in 10 years from now, 20, 30, 40 years from now, you can still hold it down for the kingdom. Because they're young and they're excited. And you can see what, how deep somebody's roots aren't. Not how anointed they are or are not. How deeply rooted they are or are not. What's the storm that's going to knock them over? What's the opportunity that's going to take them out? What's the seduction that's going to or may already be? And who's their covering? Who's their connection? Are they people who are not so enamored with their success that they're not going to pull them aside and say, you know what, you're in trouble? Now, whether they listen or not is something else. And, and so we, we look at that, and we're looking for what's hot, what's sensational, what's on fire, who has the most likes, who has the most views, who has the most shares, who has the most whatever, and not really asking the Lord, did you choose these people? And what's it going to cost? Even in my conversation, I said uh, to somebody else, I said, David had a habit of asking the Lord, should I do this? And in essence, will I be successful? Clearly, there were times when the Lord said, do something, and he lost. A lot. If you read all the Psalms, that's a lot of losing. Some of the biggest hit albums in the world are written out of sorrow, not joy. Man, what did what happened to you? Six number one hit. That's a lot of pain. No, I just had to pour my pain out instead of do whatever. And you can see that with David. I mean, just poured out his pain, sang it out, wrote it out, composed it out. And today, that's why you notice the songs are still hit songs. Somebody halfway say can have a number one hit off of the song. Come on, yeah, that's good writing. That's good. That's that's good stuff right there. That's that's the juice. That's the truth. That's the realness. But we want to bypass the pain. We want to bypass the sacrifice and then crafted this uh, humanist doctrine, this devilish doctrine that told people if you have to lose something, that it's not God. If you have to suffer, it's definitely not Jesus. If you have to uh, walk something out by yourself, that is not the Lord. If your family isn't in agreement, that can't be God. Listen, I got into a, a heated conversation. It was not a fight, but it was hot about that issue. And the putting marriage and ministry and in its right place, and I said, all of that sounds so relationally accurate. It'll preach and it has, but it's not in Scripture anywhere. There is no one from Genesis, not from Adam and Eve, all the way to the end, where the Lord said, 
you know what, I understand. I understand your wife is not great. It's okay. Mm. It's all right. Mm-hmm. When Moses' wife was like, I'm taking the boys in the mouth, the Lord didn't say, you know what, Mom? <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, you know, unhappy wife, unhappy life. Just go follow her. He ended up with somebody. Just the Lord's like, I can send you somebody. Come on now. So the things that we have preached that are that we say, see, when you start saying that God doesn't mind something, you better find it in the Word. You have got to. And when I start hearing ministers of the gospel, no matter what, what if it's in a pulpit, on the stage, singing, whatever, saying that this is what God wants for you, you better be able to back that thing up. And I'm not talking about out of context, extrapolated, half of the scripture. Stop that. Finger of God pointing. Stop that. Half of scripture. Okay. Half of the scripture. Don't do that to God or his people. Taking something out of context or just taking uh, this statement and then applying it to something else that it was never meant to be applied to. I said, it's not in the Word. Man, i tell you what, it was a hot conversation. You will not get me to say anything else. I don't care about your ego. I don't care about your pastor. I don't care about the household. The Lord, there is not one excuse. When David's wife was hot with him, he's bringing back the very, the presence of God, the ark, coming in. And she is so hot with this man in the house. I'm staying home. I'm not going to get a special service. I'm getting my mani-pedi. I'm not missing my hair appointment. I don't care if you are the king and you're my husband. And she stays home. And we see what happened with that. And she let him know. I mean, you can tell every every dynamic is there. She get, runs him down. Like, she doesn't care who he is. She is so hot that she couldn't stay with her little lover boy that she found. And he repossessed her as his wife, but you belong to me. Come on. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Let's go. So she's hot all the way. He's a this man. And the more the nation loved him, the more she hated him, just like her daddy. And what's in the gene pool, all right? And so what did God do? He bound up her womb. You are not having children. And see, there was no in vitro. There was none of that back then. And so it was a statement of the God when you could not have children. And and so we have that. And we come, we bounce it on down. Listen, yesterday I was talking about Ananias and Sapphira. Now they were in agreement. And they both went out. Out together. And so it's a dangerous thing to say that there's any one human being that can supersede the will of God. It's not, even Jesus was like, hey, if there's another way we can do this, I'm open. Sweat and blood, carrying on. (laughs) But it's not, all right. You know, it is like when you ask your parents something that they already spoke on, so they say nothing. (laughs) It didn't really indicate they had a real conversation about it. I'm just praying. Father, I'm praying. All right, moving. We're moving with the plan. Moving with the plan. But you cannot say that, that, that it's okay with God that any one person in your life is the reason that you can advocate what he has assigned you to do. We tell people that he put us here as our primary objective to satisfy another human being, not to fulfill his will and purpose for us in the planet. 
Now, we all have different ones. Everybody is not the same. Everyone's not us. You're not called to do ministry the way we are. Not everyone. But to those who are, we have got to understand that what he says is. And no matter how we preach it, no matter how we spin it, no matter how we romanticize it, no matter what we shellack it with, it doesn't pay off. In the beginning, we have Adam and Eve, and the wife went out first. Now, he was standing there, and her husband, who was with her? How many of you were raised to believe that she went back and told him she ate the fruit and everything was okay? I don't know. I saw it in cartoons that she was there by herself, and then she went and was like, Adam, I ate and everything is fine. Oh, really? And he popped it like some over red hot popcorn. And then all of a sudden, the whole planet went dark. And so I remember when I first read it, of course, once I met Dark Price, it's like I could actually see what was written in the Bible. I don't know. And I said, who was with her? I said, who was? I had to sit there and ponder for a moment, thinking, this is not what I heard coming up. We, I heard that she was a slick, seductive woman. <laughs> and she tricked him. And he didn't know she was sneaking that fruit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I hear wives talk about they just sneak those Amazon packages in the trailer. <laughs> 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 like you just sneaking sneaking that fruit, have a little fruit snack. And then when he got and he was totally ignorant to everything that she was doing because she was a sneaky, sneaky diva. That sneaky wife. Uh, we always get a bad rap. But even with that, if it didn't work in the garden, where the Lord did not say to Adam, man, I get it. I mean, women. Who can control it? All the trash we say today. Well, you know, who can understand the woman, son of God, okay, he made us. And this is early in the game. Right? And it's not deep yet. Who, who you know? I get it. Well, I mean, I know what I said, that you shall surely die, but since your wife got out there, I, I understand. I'm just going to change my mind because I know why. So, I mean, I made him. If that would have been the case, then that would have been the case from the beginning, from Jump Street. If spousal disagreement was authorization for abdication, then it would have been in the beginning. And it wasn't. So, fam, you come. It doesn't matter. Anytime. From the beginning to the end, human disagreement with what God said was never a license to bail or to change it. Because sometimes we don't quit, we just modify. So we don't want it to look like we're not doing what God called us to do. And only those who know. For example, when you hear some of these huge, huge preachers, when you go way back to their early message, you're like, wow, you were really preaching back in the day. And then something happened. The visit with the money. And you can often tell when somebody goes very large, their message gets very soft. Wow. (laughs) Very soft. Because they tell you, because we know, because we know what they told Dr. Price. Your message is too hard. If you soften that message, my God, if all you do is prophesy, We'd have been three billionaires ten times over by now. But she had to have integrity. You had to be righteous. 
You had to obey God. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you had to do it God's way. And now everybody questioned if it was God. If you would just, if you would just, if you would only, then you would go large. You would go, you can, I'm telling you, you can go back even the year before somebody goes big, maybe two years. And then, boom, when they get big, all of a sudden the message is often laced with family, purpose, destiny. It doesn't matter what you do with God. Also, found in scripture. And, and that's when you find out, okay, that was the sellout. And then I have, because we know, we know you get in these arenas and literally everything is a phone call. Oh, I know a guy who can make a big tomorrow. My friend can put you on their network. So-and-so can funnel $20 million into your ministry. We can totally renovate your property. <clears throat> I have a I have an image consultant. If I make you look like Barbie 10.0, and whenever and all of a sudden you're so airbrushed and whatever, you don't, you don't even look like you. When people meet you, they pass you in the hallway because they're looking for the picture, not the actual person. And it comes with the whole sellout package. We're going to pay these people to close down their ministries and join your church, so it's going to look like you just have this huge boom in your membership. But it's people who were paid, paid a substantial amount of money to shut down their ministry. We're going to just buy some of the biggest leaders, worship leaders in the kingdom, hire them on staff. Listen, just about anything can be bought. And again, it's time for us to wake up as a church and stop thinking that everything huge and big or successful is the favor of God. Most of this is a business transaction. It's a deal. There are investors. There are people who, okay, I want you to write this book, and I want you to say this, and I want you to do that, and I'm going to put it in this publishing house because they've reached, and we're going to make you a number one New York bestseller because I know the guy who determines who's going to put you at number one. This is all business. Whenever you have somebody who goes big organically, it is rare. It is very rare. When people look back on Dr. Price's message, they will say it's always been the same. Unapologetically truthful. Come on now. That's what we said at the beginning of the uh, Taking It All Fall Apart. I'm like, what's your homie show? Yeah. Homie broadcast unapologetically truthful. Absolutely not apologizing, but you have to pay to be a bearer of the truth. You pay a bitter price because people don't say like lies. Oh my God, we, we want to make it all deep and, huh, well, why do you think? Because people like lies. They like what's comfortable. They like what makes them feel good. It doesn't matter if it's true or not for most people. Don't tell me. How many times have you said to somebody, I just had something to say, don't tell me if it's not good news. Well, you consider the truth to be good news, no matter what it is. I don't want it if it's, if it's negative. I don't want it if, if I can't. Okay. We, there, listen, we knew a minister who played that mess. And I'll tell you what, their entire organization went in the toilet because legally it came back around to bite them. Wow. Wow. Legally, when the, when the law found out, they knew, but only wanted to hear good news. They came after them. So this doctrine that we preach can get you locked up if you're not careful, especially if you're a leader in a ministry. We are responsible. We are responsible, but you pay 
the price. When I look at when I look at anybody who goes large now, we we start digging. And let me tell you, who can dig deep is that cheap prophet Tom Price. <laughs> that prophet's mantle is like a mole nose. You know how they just, hold on, hold on, I smell some over here. And then she gets her crew together, Prophet Tamira, Lumpy, they get the crew, and they got Prophet Angela, and boom! And it's like they burrow, because prophets burrow until they find what they're looking for. And it's like, aha! I found this video from 1997. <laughs> yes, you will. Anybody who knows her? Yes, you will. See, I found it. But see, that's the prophet's job, to root out the truth. It's a dig, and when you know something isn't true, you dig and dig and dig and dig. That's the mantle. That apostle is like, that's not God. Who are you to say? I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) What scripture shall we stand on today? On today. And you dig it out. Nope, Dr. Paul Price, I'm telling you, God is not backing that. (laughs) Now I'm like, okay. (laughs) Sooner than later, you find out this young minister didn't buy this building out of their own pocket. Their great Dustin what Godfather, Godmother, somebody else had favors out in the city, mm. pulled in some deal, wow. and put their name on the paper. Mm. Mm. Was it God? No. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And all the, look at all the money. Look at all the numbers. Look at all the people. I'm like, look at look at the fruit. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about soul. See, we no longer look at the condition of the soul of people, and we just look at how many people are in the seat. He had a conference with seven thousand people. Fantastic! Praise God. I would rather you go to the godly conference if it's godly than not. But we stop right there. We stop too soon. Who's examining souls? Who's checking to see if people are really saved? How many people in that church are whoring around? How many people are gay? How many people are addicted? So don't tell me about monstrosity entities and institutions when you can't give me the stats on quality of life according to Jesus Christ's success standards. Not ours. We put 25 people in a new home. Great. Are they going to hell or not? Since you're a church and you're in the industry of people's souls first, our priority first is the condition of your soul and where you're going to end up and not just how you're going to live while here on earth, although Dr. Price said it's not enough for me to live well. I need all my people to live well. But we need the soul to prosper and to be converted and to make it to the other side. So we go over here. How about when we all... Paul said that he said that after I preached to God, yes, that's our real pastor. Yes, Now Paul knew about people being his mess, loving this present evil world. Present evil. and Alexander. So I like where you started. It is common for people to leave Christ. Is that you know? I mean, that's the big part that we don't say because like. Paul kept talking about the so-and-so left us, mm-hmm. you know, and then we had the apathy with John, because Christianity is not for cowards. Come on. You were the first person I've heard. You were the only person I've heard outside of saying it because you said it. Jesus Christ is for the mighty. Mm-hmm. That's it, you know. He said everything a man said is to the end. 
to the end, endure to the end. Jesus is like, I'm used to fast thoughts. It's like a marathon. Uh, you ever see the New York Marathon? How many people in the beginning? Baby, you, you don't even have sneaker space, okay? <laughs> Your sneaker can't even hit the ground. Because... But you know that if I if I just get around here two more laps, I'm going to have sneaker arm space. By the time you get to the end, everybody is home having dinner. <laughs> okay? Sitting in hot tubs and whirlpools trying to get the sun out. But see, that's, that's, that's the life of Christ, that people, Jesus knows it's a marathon. That's why he said that in the end, he gets a remnant. Now, Jesus doesn't have to, you know, we make him sound so pitiful. Oh, we, come on, Dr. Frank. We make him sound so pitiful. I mean, well, I mean, because nobody wants him. Did it ever occur to you that he didn't want everybody? Oh, wow. But the word doesn't say that. It says he doesn't want everybody. He's got tails. He's got serpents and scorpions. Mm-hmm. He's got offsprings of devils. He's got a whole lot of things he doesn't want in there. He's got unbelievers. He's got the apostate. He has a list, a profile of what he doesn't want. But you don't know that if you don't read your Bible. Mm-hmm. Now, the whole attack, I said this Sunday, the attack against the Bible is not because you know, the world just feels like Jesus is too hard. The attack against the Bible is that Satan knows it wins. Right. It is the only compendium of God's thought, culture, mind, civilization, eternality, supernality. You can go on and on and on. That is it's the only one. And so he keeps telling you it's hard to read. When I think about hard to read, I was like, you all got, um, what do you call it, training manuals, more convoluted. I didn't even say complicated. I said convoluted. You have convoluted training manuals, and you get down on your knees, and you beg God to open up your understanding. You beg God. I got the mind of Christ facing. You are not going to keep this from me. Yeah? Okay, because this is my job. God gave me this job. He gave you salvation, but that doesn't matter. But God gave me this job, and you're not going to take it, and I'm going to pass my test, and Lord, bring all things to my... You can run scripture that you haven't read in 25 years. All of a sudden, that scripture come on back up like you. You know why? Because you're facing it up. You're facing it up. So you're literally turning on that thicket, that mountain that you shut off because, well, it was too hard, and I don't want to be accused of God, and blah, blah, blah. So you turn it on because you have a personal advantage wow. and a temporal one at that. Wow. See, that temporal advantage, because you're going to be out of that job in five years. God already knows that. Wow. Yeah, that's really good. Wow. You know? And so you know, when people ask me, I keep saying, they always ask me things like, what is your secret? How did you do it? I don't have a pointer. I really don't. I have one fact. I don't have a formula because formulas come and go. Right. And life alters formulas. I know because I mix up a lot of things. Um, and some formulas, they, they are wonderful in the beginning and go back to them in six months and they turn into something you've never heard. And so, but the fact is, I never break my word to God. Now, I told God I was going to do this. This right here is what I was sent to Tulsa, Oklahoma for. This, the university. Yeah. Yeah. 
the embassy. Yes. I was sent here to establish a Bible, uh, uh, excuse me, a university for God and an apostolate, which is an ecclesial synonym for embassy. So I was sent here to do this. And I was sent here in 1999, and you know I was sure it was going to be done by 2005. I'm giving God some leeway. You know, I want to have your leeway. Yeah, I want to, yeah, I want to, I want to overtax it. I don't want to, you know, crunch him up. I want to give him some space, you know? Spread out. Yeah. That's what I wanted to do. Because I didn't want to, you know, I didn't have a lot of the space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because you know, I really had a lot on the square. I mean, I thought, you're Jesus, you know? So I'm just thinking, I said, well, okay, God, 20, oh, when we get to 20, um, oh, five, I should be there. 20, oh, five. It was a hard year. And I'm telling you, I did, uh, she is right. I've had all kinds of visitations. You know, we can make it this and we can make it that. And blah, blah, blah. See, I had the faith and take you on the mountainside after when you're hungry and thirsty and broke oh, yeah, yeah. and fatigued because you don't fought all these animals. Yes. Well, it's true that. Come on. Mercy. So it says that he lifted Jesus up above all the kingdoms of the world yes. and showed him all of them in a moment of time. Talking about technology. Yeah. In a moment of time. Mm-hmm. And said, now listen, you see all this here? I'm going to give you this. Because it was, it was given to me. I didn't earn it. He didn't say he earned it. He said it was delivered. He, I like the phrase delivered. And he dropped off. <laughs> he said, but I will do that. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. And so the interesting thing about it is that Everybody that God has marked for greatness will have that visitation several times. I had, I think I had it three times. Um, and and if, if I had come by way of home or come by way of church, never gotten out, yeah, I probably would have been very susceptible. But because I came from hell, you understand where hell is and where hell ranks in creation. So I was like, no. I said to Norma, we were, I don't even know what we were discussing last night going home. And I said, but I, I know for a fact I traded up. Yes. Because if you ain't dabbled in devils, you don't know that you're trading down. The devil dabbling makes you think that all power is equal. But all power is not equal. All authority is not equal. Every being is not constructed 100%. I know for a fact, and I can tell you right now, I know for a fact. Because I have met both sides of the fence. And I know who the underling is. So I said to I said, but they can't convince me. You know, first of all, if you, if we've left Satan running up for the last 25 years. Look at the planet. Does anybody look at the planet? We even gave him a little bit of something in the White House. Look at the country. Wow. I mean, we, you have actual evidence. That he cannot run a world right. except into the ground. Come on. Come on. Yeah. We got proof. We got diseased people. You got folk losing their jobs. You got people who are put out of their homes. You got folk diseased up. You have a media, a whole a, a group of, of communicators and correspondents who are hiding the truth from people so that they make sure that they die before they have to give up the truth. You've 
Does anybody know it's in the scripture? He can't for the planet. He cannot produce life. His very presence kills health. I know I traded up. Jesus said, in the world, you will have tribulations, but cheer up. Get happy. I have overcome the world. He said, in the world, you will have tribulations, which, which means ongoing trouble. Because Jesus was like, first of all, because I cursed it. My curse. See, if you don't think of it with the right mind, these young kids that are buying into this because you got a house, a car, whatnot, your body is still corrupt. You're going to get old. All of the people who are selling you were you once. The people who are persuading you and recruiting you were you. Just look at yourself in them. They, still, they don't look like you. They got old. They're looking for a replacement. They got old. They got corrupt. They got diseases, all kinds of paraphernalia. Got to have some pieces and parts and everything put back in place. I, if I am going, if you're going to tell me, you're going to give me the word, and that I'm going to be all of this, I tell Jesus all the time, I need you to hold back the law, sin, and death in every way in my life. If you want to be that, and you want me to, I mean, if you want me to get myself up to I, I'm going to need a little more than a trinket and a car. And a, I, I'm going to need something that no God can do. Oh, y'all ain't catching I need what no other God can do. Not one. I, and I don't mean some barring, some, 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 some youth do and, and from animal blood and killing folks and terror. I'm, I'm talking about the whole the patent. The patented all of life from eternity to eternity. That's what I want. Uh, he pulled back, and he's doing it. Mm-hmm. He is doing it. I can tell you some of the miracles that Jesus Christ and I had. I was like, ooh, Lord, you, mm. mm-hmm. you know you were sweet. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to be honest with you. There is nothing. All of this here, I'm, I'm, I'm saying going to make you great by putting you under a knife. I like Jesus Christ. I ain't got to believe to you. He bled, so I don't have to hemorrhage to you. Whatever that is. Now, if that never happens in this life, I'm okay because I still know that where I should be, based on the life I lived, the drugs I took, the things I took, what I did to my body, I ought not to look like this right now. Mm-hmm. But he does, you know, he holds the patent on this. Yeah. The patent on all my parts. See, somebody going to catch that. He holds the patent on all my parts. That's why he does not have to send me the surgery to get a new heart unless I have let him know that my faith in him is only in a night. And sometimes it's not just faith. Sometimes it's righteousness. Both do things to God. And like she just talked about David and David's wife. Everybody else is like, well, it's a shame that. Look at her. She's cute and whatnot. And it's a shame. David got kids by everybody but her. And you know God wanted to let everybody let the world know with her. Because all the other wives had children. Okay? That's like you being a, a nasty wife, your husband having a, an affair, and then the, the girlfriend comes up with all the kids you can't have. God's making a statement. You and my wife. That was a fear hypothetical. That was hypothetical. Okay, because a lot of times you think that, and I'm just talking to people about that, really talking to people about their 
about how God operates because we think we know. You think you know because your pastor who didn't know surmised it and you're running on that supposition. But see, I didn't. I went to, I went to his mouth. So why are you acting like that? And sometimes he came to me. So Paul, why do you think I did that? He said, you know I'm a good guy, right? You know I'm a loving guy. Yeah, I do know that, Jesus. That's really great. I'm there with you. Well, what a good, loving, it's wonderful. I said, so why do you do that? He said, that's why people can't find me because they don't ask the right questions. And they accuse me before they inquire. Wow. Wow. He said, it's easier for you to make somebody feel good in their spiritual blindness by accusing God than for saying, okay, so what you do to the Lord? You know, what you do to the Lord? Because, because we have, you know, we have the story of Joshua and Achan. God promised Joshua, you're going to win, and every time, whenever there is a contest, you're going to win. Whenever there's a war, you will win it, and all of that. So go fight so-and-so. You know, Jesus is one of those that give you the last, the, the real lesson last, because you all beat down, tore down, and wore down. you got nothing to do but here. <laughs> he, he primes you to believe. <laughs> you know, he, Okay. And so he said, they go out and they get slaughtered, which is not in their covenant. Correct. So Joshua, and is the best one, because Joshua is like, you know, he's been with Jesus since he's a young, been with uh, Yahweh since he was a young boy, because he was Mo- Mo- Moses' mentee. So whenever he left, Joshua got class. I mean, he has got the lessons, he's got the formulas, he got it all. This is not it. He comes back. And, God, you know, Jesus is so interesting. He comes back and he just like, you know, we get indignant. Do you realize we lost? I mean, how could we go? And then we had to turn and run from our enemy. And whatever God's like, why are you bothering me? You got a recursive thing in your mix. Exactly. He doesn't apologize for the slaughter. He doesn't apologize. He said, wait, you got an accursed thing in your mix. So get your heat off me. He said, get your teeth off me. Go find the problem. What is God saying? Before you come lashing out at me, go and do your homework. Investigate if you know I'm a good God, if you know I'm a righteous God, if you know I'm a God who keeps his word, who never fails, who's not slack concerning his promises. If you know all of that, I'm the last place you should go when you fall down. You come to me. First, with the knee, you come, but when you got a crisis, you need to figure it out. Ring that liberty bell. Thank you. And so I say that because that's how I was raised. I was, I was in that place. God was like, so why are you bothering me? Moses, these people are about to kill me. So why are you bothering me? Go and do what you've been doing. Defy odds. Supersede nature. Shut down death. To God, there's an attitude. When you've been with the man, you got an attitude of triumph. An attitude of, because he gives you the know-how. So you will be able to. He says that to Joshua, we'll go figure out what the problem is. So Joshua goes, now he wants the whole court. So he goes, and by process of elimination, he comes down to Achan. He says, Worship the Lord and tell the truth. Worship the Lord. Wait a minute, hold on, I think worship is lift my hands. That's worship, right? 
I'm not going to tell the truth that's going to get me executed. That cannot be worship. <laughs> I cannot. No. But because of Moses' superior training and grooming, they treated him as Moses, and Moses was, was literally God's alter ego. See, many of you don't know that when you research and you go all the way back to the basics, people that God puts in high seats like that, he interacts with them as his alter ego, the other him. We, Satan is always taking positive and making it dirty and doing the death. But before all of that, it was the per- you're, you're in your job every day as the alter ego of that company. That's what that means. So he goes and he says, he says, well, I saw, I saw a garment and it was really beautiful. And, and then I saw a few other things. And let me go get them and show them to you. Because the whole tribe is like, hardly anyone in that mob failed to lose someone in the family. So he's in a bad place. So he goes and he gets the garment. And it's bad enough that it's nice and shiny and silky, but it's also a magi priestly garment. Uh-huh. It's a Babylonian priestly garment. Now, you know God, Levi, priest. You understand that. So I said, well, no wonder God is out. He said, so you, are, you already and all of the other little amulets and things that they have. So um, Joshua said, let's kill him. Go get your family because I'm going to kill all your house. Because if this season is you at the head, we know that it's going to show up again at the feet. I got a little thing in my mouth. Hey! You know, this makes it rain a little bit. I kind of like that. Yeah, you a little bit me. Now, see, because, many, because you have people who feel like that God shouldn't do that. At that point, God, they were the first, you know, John Lewis, the second generation of his brand new nation. Yeah. He's pulling God, he's pulling the, the sin out of them, he's pulling the, the whole, all the covenants, he's canceling covenants with that, have with the dads and moms had with the other deities. He's got a lot going on, and then you're going to come and mess this up, and so God wanted to let him go. It's deadly to turn on me. It's not just detrimental. It's deadly to turn on this. Woe to him who strives with his maker. Isn't that in the New Testament? So, Paul says, oh, how, what, wonderful God is, but then how severe. Severe? In New Testament, God severe? Because we think God had had some sort of a personality change. Yes, that he was faking it in the Old Testament, but he got it together by the time he got to the new. He's a mean God. Now, now God's a mean God, because a lot of you all, y'all go to those colleges and universities, and you listen to those little demonic professors tell you about, um, really, the Christian God, the Judeo-Christian God being the mean God. So, And they tell you that while you're in another history class and telling you how horrible those other deities were. While you just came out of mythology, when you talk about how cool Zeus is, how all of other, so all of, but you will walk away with that because you walked in there with a the contempt for your maker. Woo! 
That is why you can buy the lie. Because purchases have to have some sort of agreement. Wow. Mm. Mm. So I said to you, if you have to, I have to agree with either the person that's selling uh-huh. or the product being sold. I have to agree with the company that made it. I have to agree with the, the business that is marketing it. I have to agree, agree with everything about that product to the point that I have to concur it meets my needs. So you need God to be discredited because you were lousy as a Christian in school. You were lousy as a bratty Sunday school kid. You were a bratty church kid. And folk are telling you your parents didn't want to call you bratty. They, instead, they wanted to say you were exercising a liberty when you are born with the devil inside. I'm sorry. Until you get born again, you are of Satan's gene pool. So that is why he feels so good. It feels good to be drunk. Doesn't it? It feels good to be drunk. It feels good because that's his genetics. That is what makes you susceptible. You must be born again. Now, I want to say, no, I don't. I, 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 you know, I've been at this thing too long, so I'm not a problem. Don't, and don't be writing these stupid stuff. Okay? Y'all think y'all writing all of these long, long pieces of scripture, these long, long winded, full of errors. And you think, I don't even know why you take the time. Don't take the time. Because you don't know what you're talking about. You don't. You do this when you get off work. I do this at my work. God has ordered 
you are trying to hire it. So you're not going to get it because you got the Holy Ghost. Okay. That's like giving birth to a kid saying your kid has everything you have. Who, who says that? As a matter of fact, God made it so the kids wouldn't be so tied to you that they could not live an independent or eventually an independent life. So they got their chromosomes, all that, and all that mixture. What makes you think that the Holy Spirit does not know whether or not you're head or foot or whether you are a singer or guitar player or you're a floor sweeper or, or a president? What makes you think he doesn't know that? That's where we're going. But I said something today. Are you sure? Just a couple of things. And so it says, um, Ezekiel 28, I always like to do this periodically because, and I love it when, when you um, when you hear the, the people, the, what do you say, the natural understanding, because, you know, it says, what, the natural man does not receive the same thing, the spirit of God. Okay. So you hear them that's, that's measuring everything by earth. So nothing matters before God said that there be. But this is very important. 28.12, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sun. I'm going to get you another translation. Would y'all like that? It would make me happy. Now, I'm going um, to do that. Is that okay? Because I think if I can get a translation that would be, you know, more akin to today, that could work. So we're going over here for uh, Ezekiel 28, 12. This is very important because you have to, let's see which one I want. This is, I mean, I want to make sure I get one that really speaks to you. I like the CEB sometimes because it gets a little bit. Okay. So, but I'm, I'm going to go with the Bible and basic things. Just in case you all have these. Ezekiel 28, 12. Son of man, make a song of grief for the king of Tyrus and say unto him, this is what the Lord has said. You are all wise and completely beautiful. You were in Eden, the guards of God. Every stone of great price was your clothing. The sawyers, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the emerald, and the carbuncle. Your storehouses were full of gold, and things of great price were in you. In the day when you were made, they were God ready. I gave you your place with the winged one. I put you on the mountain of God. You went up and down among the stones of fire. There has been no evil in your ways from the dead when you were made till sin was seen in you. Mm. Through all your training, you have become full of violent ways and have done evil. So I sent you out shame from the mountain of God, the winged one put an end to you from among the stones of fire. Your heart was lifted up because you were beautiful. You made your, isn't that powerful? You made your wisdom evil through your sin. I have sent you down even to earth. I have made you low before a king so that they may see you. By all your sins, even by your evil training, you have made your holy places unclean. 
so I will make a fire come out from you. It will make a meal of you, and I will make you as dust on the earth before the eyes of all who see you. All who have knowledge of you among the peoples will be overcome with wonder at you. You have become a thing of fear, and you will never be seen again. That's Lucifer Satan. Come on. Wow. I, I thought you might like to know how it goes because sometimes we think we know. And so and, and so you can look at all of the other because this, I don't know, I have a ton of them, different ones. But what I wanted you to see and what I needed you to understand is that we're afraid of something who has lost. Come on, Dr. Frank. This goes perfectly with first with first Corinthians twelve. It explains 1 Corinthians 12 perfectly, doesn't it? This whole idea, and I, this is how God got me to accept being a businesswoman. Because she was a businessman. That's why big business is a problem when we let it run amok. Because he blew it in heaven. He used it to destroy God's people in heaven. So you'll know what it is now. And no matter what a civilization is, it is always, always business. He said, by your trading, that's business. That's sales and markets. And other translations call it trafficking. Right. Okay, so we can all be clear. I want you to understand this because when I teach this, I don't teach it like, you should be a trader. I'm like, I'm teaching that there's a reason why Jesus said, be wise as serpent. He's telling you in that thing, I'm throwing you to earth, and you're going to eat dust. Isn't that nice to hear? Wouldn't you like to know these things? So that's one of them. And so in in, uh, Ezekiel 28, 14, he calls him the anointed cherub. Mm -hmm. Anointed. That word for anointed. Is Mimshah, M-I-M-S-H-A-C-H. And it, it, and it only applies to him. And it's only used once. All the other words were going to the different. But it only applies to him. Meaning, God knew from the beginning that he would turn the sin. So whatever God deprived him of, for whatever the reason is, and I often explain it like this. that people say, well, if God knew, I mean, how can he be judged? Because God made him. Yeah, but God made himself full. Mm-hmm. Understand this about God. God did not make himself only light and no darkness at all, only this or that. God made everything about God came into existence at one time. Mm-hmm. That means uh, everything light, everything darkness, whatever. As he went through his life, he says, uh, Proverbs 8 says, wisdom, mm-hmm. this person he did, his wisdom discovered something about all that he did in his early days when he was brought himself into existence, when he went from being this link to this. It, that, everything was in it. Just like in your body, in a cell is everything you. Right, right. Spirit, soul, and body, isn't it? Everything you. So here's God. So he's, he's going through, and God is obviously assessing himself. Wow, this is shrinking. Okay, so that, let's move that out. Hmm, this is siphoning my life. Let's move that out. 
this is counterproductive. Let's move that up. Are you getting the picture? So he had this whole pile of detriment. He had this whole warehouse of doom and destroyers. So he knows what they are because he, they, they all came into existence with him. Then he, that's why he uses the word sanctify. When God's talking about sanctify, that's what he means. Get yourself out of the way of the things I've already classified and categorized and cataloged as doomers. So he has a... Because how can he be alpha and omega? See, this is not something that you even have to say. If I'm alpha and I'm omega, that means everything and everything came with me, and that's why God has law. So he literally did the scientific thing. He's he, he, uh, observing what, how he feels. It's kind of like you all. You wake up and eat something bad one day. What do you do with it? You never eat it again, but don't you register it? Oh, this came from. That's how we catalog allergies. That's how we catalog illnesses. That's how we catalog and classify sicknesses. Isn't that how we do it? So when I say these things to you, we do this in very minute scale. But God had to do it for, him whole, for all of his men because he knows he's getting ready to make them. So he, he goes and he purges them himself. That's why when, when, listen to this, when it said that Jesus Christ purged himself, that's not the first time he did it. And he left it in hell. Where he's always been, in hell. Is this okay? Because I know sometimes, and then I get the people right. Oh, that's yeah, I could. No, no. You do it. You go out. I don't care what it is. You can. There are medicines you cannot take because your physiological self cannot respond positively or holistically to it. When God uses the word holy, He's saying you are getting the me that I completed after I purged myself of everything that would harm me. Wow. So that is why he can make us perfect. He made him, he perfected himself perfect. When you read the narrative about Jesus Christ, when he, when he became perfected forever, he did on earth what he had done forever ago in eternity. That is what Jesus did. It is not just about whether or not you are free enough to destroy your body. It is not about any of that. It is about you having the wisdom to keep yourself alive. And to get your keep yourself out of Satan's way and sanctify yourself for eternal life. That's that's why it's on you. So anyway, so he he oh, he has over here this whole thing, and it's hell. It, 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 it made it, it became hell because that all of this was his refuge, not refuse only, but refuge. All the refuge was compiled in a single place in God's spirit realm, wherever that is. And it's alive, so it's not dead. It's because it's reproducing. And it's growing. So he has this whole other dark thing going on. And every time a new one shows up, there you go. There you go. There you go. So now he has it in field. Because clearly he's not going to do it. But he also does something else when he removes it. He then 
it's because he's reproducing, it's reproducing the pure form of the pure version. Because he doesn't leave void. And the, and the whole, the way his, like our makeup, our cells reproduce. We enter a cell. It does, it, you're like, but isn't that God? Oh, it's not. I always learned this. I got this lesson from a cat that we had who got hit by a car, and it, the car drugged the cat, so all of his fur and all of his skin was gone. And, uh, and to be honest with you, you know, I thought the cat was going to die. And the Holy Ghost said, if you lay hands on this cat, I will heal it. So I did. And I look, I'll never forget to look in that cat's eye. When, I looked, when, when he looked at me, he was just sucking, and I laid hands on him. And the first thing stopped was the bleeding. He stopped the bleeding. And then the next morning, I wake up, and the, the, this, this yellow blob has come up from his skin. So we, you know, I, I did, you know, often did stuff like that with my family. But this was the most interesting thing. The cat was black and white, had the most beautiful pattern. And you know, when that cat got healed, that pattern was exactly the same as it was before he got wow. injured. Exactly. I mean, God healed that cat 100%. Now, here's what's important. He said, you know why I did this? And I said, no. He said, I want you to understand that cells don't change just because they get wounded and die. They all know they're assigned. That cat, I'm telling you, became the meanest cat. I thought you were a little thankless cat. But he trusted me. He always trusted me because he knew power came from my hand. Yeah. And so the point that I'm making is that he became me. But, and he became the boy of the neighborhood. Had so many children. It was ridiculous. I had to call animal people. Because he got a lot more in return. His second, his second version was real healthy. <laughs> but, but the point that I want to make to you is this. That God, in, in, in how, however long it was, however many eons and whatever way, we, we can't even measure that time because time didn't exist. Like they're trying to say with this many billions, blah, blah, blah. We have to go back to when time came into existence. So, so God made this whole pile, and this is it. But there was always the inevitable thing that a part of him, whatever he would reject, would try to find its way back home. I don't know if you heard what I just said. So the iniquity was the one, cre- was the one creature who wanted to be different. God gave every creature the ability to differentiate from him. The problem is there were only two options, life and death. When you read Deuteronomy, it says, I step before you life and death. I step before you life and death. He keeps talking about because there was, God kept what kept, gave him life and kept him alive, and he sanctified from himself anything that would harm him, which is what holiness means. That's why other was killed. Other, when they were bringing the ark back, and God broke out. God was like, hold on. I had to suffer you touching me when I was in your house on your mantle, oh. on your coffee table, because oh. I had no priest 
through which to shield myself. So you were, uh, that was great. Hit it, baby. I had to call it, but I want you to know I got some freedom. Yeah. I'm going home, and when I get home, you will, nobody will touch me like that again. No one will kill me like that again. So that's where he is. So now here we are. There's God, then there is wisdom. Now God within himself has one seed. Isn't that interesting? One. So God, is, everything is in him. Remember, every cell, every whatever. But he only has one reproducible seed. That's why Jesus is superior. Because he, until he came and got us, he's an only child. Uh, ooh, hold up. <laughs> you as Christians, you're so busy trying to be part of the refuge. So you can prove to the refuge that you're not better than them. That you're, with, you're risking everything to show the world you're not different. To show the world you're just like them and that Jesus Christ doesn't make a difference. He, and, and whatever differences he makes, we don't have to be concerned about them until we leave the planet. Wow. He's an only child. Now, in this, he, the Bible says God put everything in Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus is the exact self that he is. But Jesus has a greater purpose. God himself is everywhere because everything is in him. There is no at the edge of God. I know we like to think about that, but there's no edge of God because the edge came around because God is it. God, God created edges. There's no such thing as nothing because God created nothing. He created space and didn't give it something, thus creating nothing. You understand when he says he fills all in all, that's what he's saying. And if, and if God is not filling it, then God has deprived it of matter or essence or substance or life. Thus, defining nothing. So, so, I know, and for those of y'all, don't be writing me dumb now here. Okay. You do, I, I do bang y'all. I don't need to be, I don't need to loosen. I'm for the elite, I'm for the top, I'm for the spot, I'm all of that. So, so now here we come with all of these creatures. And he's got, God made sure that the last and lowest in that era of his existence, because remember, time doesn't exist. God marks everything by being and events. In the days of everything, he doesn't have no clock. He, oh, clock is what came for us. So he doesn't have that. So now, here we are. So we're going forward. Here we have this, this one cherub. And the cherub issue is Jesus, the only begotten son. That's his issue. Everybody else, all the everyone else, all the mothers, they're all happy. He's our Lord. He's our God. He's our King. He's the Father's offspring, the Father's seed. Because the Bible says in Ephesians that everything in heaven and earth is named after Jesus. So him being so all-consuming and all of that, the cherubim—he's angry. And how did he know to be angry? He's on the mouth of God. He's up there where it all happens. And so on the mouth of God, he's up 
there and he's watching Jesus get the worship of his father and, and still doing his father's business. And then he, now what makes Jesus unique? Jesus is just as God as, as God the Father who created him. Jesus is portable. He can move around. He's mobile. God can't move anywhere because he's everywhere. Is this good? Yeah. So he has to to have a way to move around to handle things up close and personal, locally. So he has Jesus. And you get that when you read Daniel 7 when it says that Jesus comes when God sets up court. And Jesus comes. Where is he coming from? And so there are a whole lot of verses that that, that go with that. So so this Jesus is hot. Because he's not omniscient. Jesus has the nerve to be omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent, and mobile. So God put that in his son. And until he made, until he rose from the dead, no other being had it. And then, see, this is why the new birth is needful. So then, this, this being, he's hot. And that is what we just read in Ezekiel 28. He is hot. Now, I've had people say, well, you know, that's an earthly king. Are you kidding me? Those people did nothing but live by God back then. They did nothing but live by the God. That is what it's all about. And that's why we're coming full circle. We think this is new. This is full circle. All right? So he's hot. And that's when he introduces. He can't get God to make him more than he is. So he's got to go where pieces of God is. Mm. Mm. To the refuge, refuge warehouse. Mm. And he begins to pull, because, and it's not hard because he's already turning God off in himself. Mm. His anger, his envy, his jealousy, his, all of that, but he has yet to know that it's going to destroy him. So he's deteriorating, but he's not destroyed. He then goes to where God stored his his rejected power, his dark power. He finds it. He absorbs it. He becomes it. And then he goes to replicate himself. The one-third angels that are pulled out of the sky. Because he now has the sum of the wisdom. I know how to do business. I know how to run a planet. I know how to build a world. I know how to do this. I know. He's, got, he, he, he's got it all because God, and, and when God gets ready to use somebody, you don't know they're Judas until the time, the purpose for which they were chosen shows up. God surprised Judas of nothing. He even let Judas go out and lay hands. He did. Cast out his own relatives.
My re- my refuge was found in you. Which is why he's rejected. Which is how he killed Adam. So when you realize, when you think about this and you think, well, okay, so we, I don't know what we're supposed to do or how we're supposed to do it. <clears throat> God said he was successful. Jesus said he was successful. So he, he just repurposed it. You will now go and do for all my creatures what I did for myself. You will purge them. You will identify their sin. You will purge them. You will make them have to choose me or you. You will do that. That is your job. He's not a free agent. He's on real assignment, eternal assignment. So when we think about how we're, how we, the saints, are doing, the reason he has a problem with us is the same reason he had a problem on the mountain with Jesus. Because we are made of the only gene. God, the Father as creator, etc., passed on to another being, to his offspring. So when you get born again, it's not about your sinner's prayer. It's not about how much God loves you or doesn't love you. Of course, God is love. So that, I mean, why are we making that the stop point? We are starting to stop. It is about God getting out of Jesus Christ into distinct beings or individual beings replicas of himself. So people can say they're saved, but Satan Satan can tell you how much you say more than than you can. Only Satan and God knows who who is really saved because Satan knows salvation is to see something in you that was taken out of him. Remember, he said, I will bring fire out of the midst of you. He took his life path. He took his power path. But we get that as a seed. So we are filled with all the fullness of God. We're filled with everything that is God because we are offspring of God. We come out of Jesus. When God put everything in Jesus Christ, he put everything. So now we got the Holy Ghost. So we're the Holy Ghost. If Jesus is God's mobile self and portable self, the Holy Ghost is God's pervasive self with motility. Because remember, God himself, God, all of them were one. But God now has to project functional pieces of himself to handle all of the creation that he is bringing into existence. Because when you think about how many cells there are in the human body, and I'm just using cells, when you think about how many cells there are in the human body, this man has human bodies, angels, devils, all of that is him. And he's got to manage it and make sure nothing takes him out. That's what all the church is about. That is what the worship is about. That is what the song, the reading is about. It's all about whether or not God can trust you in his world and to the point that you won't be corrupted by his excellence, his supremacy, and his glory, because that's what happened. It corrupted Lucifer. Wow. And that is what you were talking about this morning, when you were talking about how these people start out and they get corrupted by the glory. They get corrupted by the beauty. They get corrupted by the power. They also get corrupted by the indiscretion, the permission. They access the latitude. They are corrupted. 
And that is what God, Satan's job is to find those for the Almighty and then to try them to see if they want to be free because it's inherent. So do they want what's inherent or do they want Jesus' inheritance? So when you hear saints talking about I'm going to be myself, they're choosing the inherent over the inheritance. Because no inheritance comes with no strings attached. Everybody, even your physiological ones or your biological ones. So so now he's at a point, his job right now, he's got us all scared because he's playing on on the fear gene that he deposited in Adam's seed. That's a gene that's causing that response. And some people are more susceptible or more subdued by it than others. But it is a gene because what is fear? The exact opposite of faith. Isn't it? Because it takes faith to erase fear. But if you want them to coexist, exist, then you have good times and bad times, good days and bad days. So everything that God is, flip it 100%, total 360, and you got everything that Satan is. Now you have the reason he is that way. He can't change. He can't get saved. I know people think he should. He can't get saved. How can he get saved? He wasn't tempted. He wasn't victimized. God said, I did nothing to him. He just chose to be my adversary. With his free will agency, he decided to upstage me and to unseat me, not realizing that everything that's great about me was never in that rescue's power. Wow. He found out too late. My God. Yes. Jesus. Too late. So, you know, you can't, I, you know, the one thing about being an apostle is God will bring you as his apostle, if you're willing to give up everything for it, he will bring you into the fullness of his existence, past, present, and future. My job is to tell you who you are and why we exist. So he decides, I'm going to make, he said, okay, then if I can't do that, then I'm going to have a counter culture, I'm going to have a counter civilization, one that's opposing you. Well, he needed that. Because unbelief has to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. He's the father of fear. He's the father of unbelief. And he's the father of lies. Mm-hmm. So that's a whole different genetic makeup mm-hmm. from the Godhead. Yeah. Yeah. So if God is all consummate life, then if he built things, he brought into existence consummate death. That is why his firstborn, Cain, killed his brother. The reason I want you to know this is because, and I need you all to listen to this again and again and again, because you cannot understand. We like singing the same power. We like that. Doesn't that sound good? No. That is not just a church song. That is the, the message of power that gives you rank, stature, status, etc. And we are, we are different. We are not just different because we said a prayer. We're different because of where that prayer transported us. It put us in another place. We came out of the, the genetic tree, the genealogy of Satan, and we're put into the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 
which is the difference between Genesis 5 and Luke 4. Y'all are quiet. Are you guys all right? Yeah. I guess like you can hear a pin drop in here. Oh, no. Did I overwhelm you? I mean, are y'all... Taking it in. Taking it in. You can't shout to take this thing. <laughs> <laughs> you got a clue, huh? You can't shout with your mouth full. No. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so you can talk about, see, when, when you are in God's prophet apostle realm, you, you understand that this definition came from these things came from prophecy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now the amplification, the enlightenment, the illumination came from apostles, mm-hmm. but prophets were the seed bearers of this particular revelation. So they can talk about I'm a prophet, I'm a prophet, he, she, it's a prophet all day long. I'm telling you, if you, if God doesn't bring you into this, even to the next level, say I'll take you to the next level. So if, it, if, if, if what you give doesn't edify, but instead devastates, then you are in the refuge spot. Oh, yeah, you got that from, okay, we, got, we understand. We can't trust you with this work. So the last piece I want you to get, let me see. I want to make sure I started the right thing. Okay. You can read all the rest of it, but um, Hebrews 14, 12. How art thou falling from heaven? Let me go and get the, what was the other place? We, we said we were going to read it better. Did we say we were going to do that? Yeah. Oh, another version? Yeah. Bible based English. Yeah, or oh, the BGE, that's right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because we get people who say, well, your school is hard, and you don't need to know all of that. You don't need to know all of this to get to heaven if you're not going to sin. Because you're already going to get saved and die. If this is a deathbed, you know, confession and repentance, you don't need it. But if you don't have to fight the darkness that God has set out to test you, you know, what did Peter said, the fiery trials which are to test you. That used to bother me when God said that. Why do I have to be bothered with a fiery child? I don't understand. I already love you. I got saved. I thought it was I mean, why do I have to have a fiery And why do you just want to have to be fired? I'm like, can't you just give me a quiz? When you read all of this, because I'm going, there, when you read this, you can understand that this one here, is against the king of Babylon. Now, that other one was the king of Tyre. This one is the king of Babylon. Uh, and so I just want to go to the 12th because I, we don't have a lot more time. But here's where we are. How great is your fall from heaven, O shining one? Now, when you see star of the morning, you realize that that's what you see. see a star of the morning, which is star of the morning star. That's Jesus Christ. When you see that in Revelation, it says that he, he scooped up everything that was scattered, everything that was taken. He said, son of the morning, that's what that is, morning star, son of the morning. How are you cut down to the earth, low among the dead bodies? 
So earth is more than a physical terracotta that we got here. There is something, it, it's in a sphere. It's, it's literally in a sack, an invisible sack. That's what we call orbit and whatever. But he said, because this is an invisible being to us. It says, for you said in your heart, I will go up to heaven. I will make my feet higher than the stars of God. I will take my place on the mountain of the meeting place of the gods in the, in the inmost parts of the north. Now, this sounds almost contradictory, doesn't it? So Tyrus, in that, in that era, in that fashion, where he began, is that clearly something has happened, and he's been cut off. His access has been cut off. So he can no longer roam in and out of the Garden of Eden and heaven and the mountain of God because what's not told in this story is that in that role, that function, because, you know, we all have more than one function. We, we kind of think it's only one. But in that function, he, he was on the Mount of God. He was there, etc. Clearly, something happened. Maybe if, if this is after the iniquity was found in him, and God depowered it. Because no matter how much people think that there's contradiction, God gives us excerpts of his experience, his memoirs. And he just tells us the parts that are useful for us in this world, not to mention all the people who have messed over the scriptures a little bit. But so he said, for you said in your heart, I will make my feet higher than the stars of God. Well, you were already up there. How did you get from there to here? But then when you leave, what he just said, and I will cast you down to earth. So earth became his new strength, his new place of dominion. He said, and so he said, but, but clearly he said, I'm going back. I'm, uh-uh. I'm not saying here, I'm going back, and I'll do whatever it takes to get back. Now, whether that is, whether, well, we'll go on. But I will go higher than the clouds. I will be like the most high. You see what the problem was. That's, that's, think about the iniquity that was found in him. I'll be you. I'll be like you. And I'm going to move this other little thing you got called your son, and I'm going to be the one. And he's always striving to be the one. So that tells me his problem is, with the one, the chosen one. He said, but you will come down to the underworld, even to its inmost part, because this is all about what happens to him when he gets to hell. Those who see you will be looking on you with care. They will be in deep thought saying, is this the troubler of the earth, the shaker of kingdom? Babylon. Middle East, Iraq, Persia, okay who made the world a waste, overturning its town, who did not let his prisoners loose from the prison house. All the kings of the earth are, are, are at rest in glory, even every man in his house. But you, like a birth before time, are stretched out with no resting place in the earth, clothed with bodies of the dead, who have been put to, so, to, to the sword, who go down to the lowest parts of the underworld, a dead body crushed underfoot. So you, you know, I taught you all. You I taught you all that the Old Testament treats the soul and the body as a single unit. We've looked at of over two hundred times it does that. So in the same way, God creates us, treats cell, 
and the earth as a unit. Same way. So when you read this, there's no contradiction. What God is saying is that if you're born on earth, you're doomed to hell. Because that's the next progression from being a mortal on earth. So he's saying, for the one thing he's saying that he has, he's full of dead bodies. That is his, that's his makeup. His being is composed of and stuffed with all the bodies, meaning the souls that are God. Oh, you can't wait for Sunday, can you, girl? <laughs> you know she cannot wait for Sunday morning. <laughs> so, now, here's the other piece that folks miss. The body without the spirit is dead. Jesus said humans are born with the spirits of their fathers in John 8, 44, and other areas. So you're born with the spirit of your father. So even though that body is dead, that genealogical tree is still very vibrant, it's very reproducible, and it is alive. That is why some, your, your, your great-grandmother can say, yeah, you're just like my youngest brother. You're like, what? Right. I didn't even know you had to be that one. <laughs> okay? But why is, it, why is it she said? Because the living, that living genealogical makeup is still functioning in you, even though you're saved, it's still functioning in your soul because the soul and the body are a single unit. So the body goes to the dust, but the soul belongs to hell. So Jesus comes, and his soul, even though his spirit is God Almighty, to give him life, that guarantees he's coming back to life. Even though his soul is going to be slaughtered and spend three days and three nights in the earth. I'm almost done, guys. So he goes, he said, but I like um, Isaiah 14, but you, like a birth before its time, or stretched out with no resting place on earth. In other words, as a premature baby, a premature birth, no place has been prepared for you on earth because I'm taking your place out, closing up. And then, but this one closed with the bodies of the dead who have been put to the sword. So everything he kills, he absorbs in his body. Who and these are those who go down to the Lord. Let let me know here. Who goes down to the lowest parts of the underworld, a dead body crushed underfoot. What is he saying? He's saying anyone who is not in covenant of life belongs to you. See, this, I don't have to beg you to say, but Jesus, you need to get saved. I just need to tell you who you are and where you're going. And that you have no power to change that. You know, in another place, I want to say it's Isaiah, but for sure, it says, but you can't even keep your own soul alive. So how are you going to tell God what's going on? Nobody, you know, unless you're suicidal, you're not going to wake up and say, you know what, I just think I'm going to die today and bring myself back in the month when this is all back. Mm-hmm. Only Jesus got to do that. Wow. 
14.20, as for your fathers, you will not be united with them in their resting place because you have been the cause of destruction to your land and the death of your people. This is about a ruler or like these chief pastors, etc. that you're looking at turning and these ministers turn on God. This is death. He said, because you have been the cause of destruction, all those people following them, all of those people sitting up in those churches, all those people um, falling into their, their cultural habits, taking on their gods, doing their tatting, doing their piercing, doing their, their uh, you know, uh, drugs and all This is them. Because your people are put in a leader before the leader takes the seat of authority. Wow. That is why you need to be careful who your pastor is, who your prophet is, because you need to find out, first of all, you can't stay with me if you're not in me. I know that. And how many years have I said that to you? I said, I'm on. God, when people come to me, God tells me who they are and why they're with me. Sometimes he tells me how long they'll be with me, and other times he'll tell me why he sent them, but they won't stay, or that this one is not going to leave you. I've said it before about Ashley. I said, he told me, I'm going to set what I mean, we had up. She was like, this is still in college. She's going to send you a daughter who's going to love you. She's never going to leave your side. He said, and she will take care of you. She will be a daughter to you. And I thought, really? And so I'm expecting something big. And... Because, <laughs> 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 you know, when God speaks, you want to go grandiose because God is grandiose. So you think it's not. <laughs> and I, I've told the story before, and she's not the only one. Or either I've gone to different ministries when I go to different um, uh, different. Uh, Ministries, and I know that God is sending this person out because they have gotten what they can get, like Kamisha, Brittany. I'm just naming those that are recent, you know. Um, when we met Prophet Angela, even when we first met her, except I didn't know how God was going to do it. So I'm going to tell you something. If God wants you, he will tear up your life like he will tear up the car floor. Uh-huh. We've seen that. We'll cut down your concrete so you have no foundation. You stand on dust, thinking things. So, but he tells me when we met—I don't even know how many years ago this was—but we met the Woodard in 2012. Azusa Street. Azusa Street. Yeah, that's where I was. And but I knew it. I, I, I knew it. So you, you're, if your leader can't even tell you why you're on the planet, let alone why you're with them, you're probably passing through. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to pass through because you have to pick up what you need to pick up. Abraham passed through a lot of places. Isaac, Jacob, they passed through a lot of places picking up what they needed to pick up to go to the next place to be ready. So I have people that they, they're just there, and it doesn't make a difference how many they are, but he will put them in my spirit. And he will let me, and we, you know, because I'm working for the man, so he's got a profile. He gets my profile. Look at this. Okay, I'm opening up my file with this, 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 this. That's how it should be. And you should be trained and not thinking that people are in love with your charisma. 
Your charisma is just the fragrance that you get when you walk into a, a perfume department. You still got to go for, go to the reason why you entered the store. <laughs> and you've got to finish. So I, I want you, and there's a lot more we can teach on this, when, and we probably will as time goes on. But I don't, like when people say, well, you know what, so-and-so is having a problem with you, one of two things happen. A devil is stalking their destiny, or they were passed through. <laughs> That's, it's only that and it's up to them to fight for their destiny because God is like he who endures to the end because yeah, yeah. I told you that last time by the time you ever see a marathon at 9 o'clock at night there's one news camp yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> and it might just be a cell phone today <laughs> everyone Okay, so going back to 20, as for your fathers, you will not be united with them in their resting place because you have been the cause of destruction to your land. Now, you might not understand what that means, but those of you who've been reading scripture and you hear how the kings, and it says this king rested with his fathers and this one rested with their fathers, but you can't rest with your fathers. Like Aaron and Moses had two different fathers somewhere. Because Aaron was crazy, and he said when he died, he was buried with his father. That's true. When Moses died, God buried him. At least he gave him freshly buried him, because he actually did. He just took it. Um, but, so, I mean, you read all of the other ones that have these kings that have that, you know, that you go where you serve. And you go and you lay in your grave with the population you serve. And so, you know, if, if I'm talking about back here today, it may still, you know, I mean, we still do it. You got the family crest where my family bought five plots and so-and-so. So that's not, that's unheard of. And he says, and the death of your people, the seed of the evildoer will have no place in the memory of man. Make ready a place of death for his children because of the evil doing of their fathers, so that they may not come up and take the earth for their inheritance, for their heritage, covering the face of the world with waste places. We could sit here, if this was a Bible study, we could sit here, we could break this down, and I'm telling you, the, the revelations that are in here, well, man, it's unbelievable. 14.22, for I will come up against them, says the Lord of armies or hosts, cutting off from Babylon name and offspring, son and son, son, says the Lord, and I will make you a heritage for the hedgehog and pools of water, and I will go through it with the brush of destruction, says the Lord of hosts. All of this was shared with you to give you the sense of distinction that God desires you to have so that he doesn't have to beg you not to sin. Mm -hmm. You know, the law, Paul says, was not written for the righteous. Right. Not because the righteous cannot, uh, is free to be lawless. It was written for those to whom lawbreaking never enters their minds. Mm -hmm. So we are righteous. Lawbreaking doesn't enter our minds. That's why we look at all of this, whatever, and we're like, what? You need law 
for lawbreakers, and you need law for people with a consciousness yeah, yeah. of breaking and violating God's law and meeting the criteria. Because we think, see, you didn't know that this was in it. Because people think God is just, well, when we, when we stand in front of the business seat of God, then we will, no, no, God has already condemned you. You understand that Adam was dead when he was put in the garden because God knew Adam would be tempted by that serpent, and he had already killed the serpent. Literally, Satan was how God killed Adam. Mm-hmm. He never said to Adam, you're dead. He never said, I killed you. He said, he didn't. He said, curse is the ground. Because the serpent was already dead. That's what we were just reading in the earlier parts of this. You, and then Ezekiel 20, you're going to be on the dust. He was already dead. You understand? That's why you cannot. Don't, don't listen to these preachers to tell you that the Satan's going to be saved. If he is, he's going to be saved from the destruction of hell where those kings are going to be whooping his butt around the clock for deceiving them. That's his future. That's what you see when you read all of Ezekiel 14. So I would like to say to every single one of you all that you're different. Stop trying to be like them. I look at people, they stand up and they worship God, looking like the world. They sing songs, looking like they, they keep wanting everybody to know that their salvation doesn't matter. Wow. And God is like, but if it doesn't matter to you, then it doesn't matter to me. I want those who want me. Yeah. He says that. And so and I, to give you this history, and you all who want to read up on all of this, because we do have it written in my book, Before the Garden, it's down here under the pot. So y'all can... Oh, Chief, My daughter, Chief Prophet Paula, has been teaching this for like how long? Okay, and she says she's finally getting to the end. But it's so it's really important for you to um, read this because it gives you a lot of what I just said. And if you pair the book with this teaching today you're going to have a better reason to protect your salvation. See, this is not about, oh, you just want to fight us. You don't want us to, to be, you know, uh, free. This has nothing to do with this. This has everything to do with the fact that you have approximately 20 years to really set your future. Because as a kid, you've got high school and you've got college. Let's just say, you know, you're early to mid-20s, you're finishing college. From 25 to 50, that's not a lot of time. You get to set not just this life. Satan's joy is to get you to set yourself for this life, to accommodate this life, to conform to what it is. And God is saying, but you can't keep yourself alive. As a matter of fact, you can't keep yourself from aging. matter of fact, it's very hard to keep yourself to gain weight. So all of the things that you are you're you're boasting about, they're all not only superficial, they're temporal. You can't stop your bones from breaking. You can't stop the law of sin and death from stepping up and doing what it does. Who are you kidding? You know very well you remember leaping over a wall and now you're struggling on the steps. 
thank you all for joining us today. If you're in the area of Tulsa, Oklahoma, come over to the embassy. Worship with the congregation of the mighty where God stands. Play this again and again. And don't forget to share, 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 and share. And then after you share, sow. Sow a seed. If I bless you today, because I know I did, some of you all recommended yourself to God before I got finished ministering. Some of you all will do it. Others will sit down and break this down so you can go and win your family and you can stop having this cavalier attitude about what you think is your salvation. Because, see, sometimes we, we, we think that we said that prayer, we think that saves us, but you must be born again. So your prayer needs to accommodate you getting a new heart, a new spirit, and the Holy Ghost. That is the technological side, the divine technology of the new birth. Now, I have a teaching on this about the new birth, and I'm sure Rachel's going to find it. But And when she does, she'll throw it up there on the mail advertise that I got a Sade over here. So we got it. Somebody has it. Glory to God, somebody has it. And so I want you to uh, make sure you share this. But if you need to rededicate yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ, why don't we take a moment and do that right now? I just think that we shouldn't let this window pass. Father God, we give you all the praise and all the glory for who you are. Lord, we did not know. We only went by our teachers and those that were in our past. Sometimes some of us were just out of the reach of good teachers or out of earshot. But I'm asking you, Father God, to receive my recommitment to you, my rededication to you. God, I devote my spirit, soul, and body to you. Every sin that I've done knowingly and unknowingly, I'm asking that you would forgive me. I repent of it, and I renounce it in the name of Jesus Christ. And I'm asking you, Lord God, to put me in my place and establish me in your body, in your kingdom, in your world, and in your realm. And, Lord, I thank you. I commit myself to you. And, Jesus, I won't break my word this time. I will keep my word. I will walk through it. The, the fires, the, tra- the waters, the storms, the rain. God, because I know you're worth it. And I, I thank you for anointing me right now. And God, I thank you for baptizing me with your Holy Ghost that I will have the power and the grace as well as the ability and the virtue to live the way you live. And I now understand that it is not just about me going to heaven, but it is about me being a replicant of the resurrected Jesus Christ who became a sacrifice for us, for the propitiation of our sins. So, Lord, I yield to it. And I will play this, and my, my children will hear it, and my family will hear it. God, please let none of my children, none of my relatives be lost simply because we did not have this truth at our disposal. God, I also pray that you will forgive me for being frivolous in your salvation. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm a renouncing frivolity. I will not be frivolous and careless and cavalier about your salvation. I ask you for a spirit of sober-mindedness, that through sobriety, Father God, uh, I will manifest you, replicate you, and make, be a living witness of your son's blood shed on Calvary and his resurrection from the dead. I bless you for it all, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, come by the embassy if you're in the, uh, uh, the vicinity. If not, hey, catch us online. God bless you. Have a great, great weekend. God bless you. So we have... Uh, Sade, she has a packet that she sends out to her clients about salvation. You know it? You know about it? Talk to her about it because I think we need to put that online for people to download. Okay. It's pretty expensive, but explain 
Well, if somebody's going to cheat before they're gone, or at least you know it's a sandwich. Thank you, guys. We have, now remember, tonight we have Nigel Farage. How many of you all signed up? Good. Um, all you have to do is go to a bid right, and it'll be here at the embassy tonight. Um, they already have over 500 people, so you do want to come, you know. How many of you have the app, the church app, active on your phone with the notification showing? Okay, because a lot of these things we send everything out over the app as well to let you know when you need to, when you have the opportunity to sign up for something when we need something happening. We know some people had the app but then shut off the notifications. Well, nobody tells anything. So strongly about this.